1: Welcome beautiful spirits. Believe it or not, this is my 100th episode. It's amazing to me. Today I'm going to look back over my favorite episodes for solo podcasts and for podcasts that have guests with them and give you just the best bits. This one is all for fun, but I'm sure you'll learn something along the way as well. And if you want to listen to any of the episodes in their entirety, I'll give you not only the name, the season, and the episode number, but I'll also put the direct link for each in the show notes. I'm not including any meditations, although I know I'm known for them, because I want to get as much practical help in here as I can. This is going to be a show jam-packed with great information and fun for me to hear all over again. And of course, all the clips will be starting somewhere in the middle of the show and only being five to ten minutes or so. I'll try to get the juiciest parts of each episode. Let's start with what's your why? Finding your life purpose. This was show number three in season one, the very beginning. I thought it was important to get that one under my belt at the beginning because part of finding your joy in this life is living with purpose. You stop wondering why you're on the planet and you start living who you're meant to be. If you can do that, your life will feel much more satisfying and fulfilling. So here's a clip from What's Your Why, originally aired on December 9th, 2020, and this clip is about resistance to finding your life purpose, what a life purpose actually is, and discovering your why. You may not think you have resistance to finding it because you may want it with all your heart and soul to find your purpose. But let me say this, if you didn't have resistance, you would have found it already. It would have been obvious to you, and you'd be living it right now. And resistance is normal. So don't beat yourself up or worry about it. We're going to get you on the right path today. And you're going to be able to at least get an inkling or at least know how to go about doing it on your own if you don't discover it during the show itself. First off then, let's start with what is a life purpose? Kind of like what I've said already, it feels like the reason for being on the earth. If you say, why am I here? If you've ever said that, that means you're kind of feeling like a boat without a rudder. You don't have a direction or you don't kind of know which way you want to go. So you don't know what to do. And I will say this, and I'll say this probably a number of times, your life purpose is not your job or career, not even what you volunteer to do. It's not that. It's beyond that. And when people get stuck in that space of thinking it's their job or career, Especially, and I'm sorry to put it this way, but men, when you retire and people die almost immediately afterwards, or they get depressed and they do nothing because their purpose is done, their usefulness is done, their job is not their purpose. If they knew the reason why behind their job and why they loved it so much and why they were so fulfilled, they could carry it through to the retirement. So if you know someone like that, Start asking them why if they're getting close to retirement and they're having trouble with that. Why do you love what you do? Because they can easily shift that to a different way of enacting it out in this lifetime. And that's going to be next week. Give you a little hint. Next week is how to live your life purpose. How to put it into use in your life rather than, you know, once you know what it is, how are you going to do it? What are you going to do next? That's next week. This week is all about looking underneath what you're doing or beyond. Let's just say it's beyond. It's the purpose isn't what you do. It's the reason behind it. It's really your why. It's why you're compelled to do what you do if you already have a job or a career you love or a volunteer. And this one is going to surprise you because usually what your purpose is is really simple compared to the effort we put into to figure it out. It's really simple, believe it or not. So many times when I help my clients, even my friends talk about their life purpose and what is it, I get the same result. When they come up with an answer, they go, wait a minute, is this my purpose? And I'll say, does it feel right? And they'll go, oh my God, but I I knew that already. No, I knew that. You don't understand. This is This is blowing my mind. I already knew what it is and it never surprises me. Sometimes it surprises me what their purpose is, but not that they already knew it, because that's what happens. And I think people know it, and this is my personal opinion, so you may not share it. I think we choose it because we're born knowing it. We've already chosen what our purpose is, and that's one of the reasons why we're on the planet. And if you choose it, you know it somewhere subconsciously or somewhere in your spirit, so you get hints and clues about it all the way through your life. And sometimes you may know it from the time you're born but you may not live it. You may choose to ignore it. Kind of like I did. Because I knew my purpose since I was like 12. But I never, I just went, no. No, it's too big. Who in the, no. That doesn't, I'm not worthy of that. Nobody's going to listen to me. Why would they ever? I ignored it. I'm going to get into a little more detail about that shortly. If you have done that as well, when you discover what your purpose is, it's okay. Really, it's never too late. The right time to start it is now. Whatever now is to you at the time you discover it. Because your why is your gift to the world. It's that reason for everything you do and for who you are and what you do on this planet. It's what can give you your motivation, your direction, so that you know why you're doing something and it's that purpose behind it. It's kind of an emotionally based thing. So even though you know it somewhere in your being, when you hit on it, you'll feel it, you'll know it. So don't worry about going, I don't know if I know it or not. You will know it. Healing and inspiring are my two. I have two of them. They don't have to go together, but I knew it since I was 12. And I have to say that when you think of wanting to inspire somebody and you're 12, you go, (laughs) who am I to say that? No, it's just silly. Not going to do it. And even at 12, I knew that I was not good in science. I was not getting it. You know, some people, they have a brain wired for certain things. That was not my thing. So how was I going to heal people? I went, nah. So I didn't do either one for years. And I just kind of went along and forgot about it and ignored it. That's why that other people have said, but I knew it because it's the same thing for them. Sometimes they're living a piece of it. And sometimes they just don't even realize they're doing it or you're already doing your purpose in some small way, because you somewhere you know what it is. But we can delay or put off living it fully, like I did, because we don't get it at the time. We don't embrace it at the time. And whenever it's time to embrace it, that's when we start doing it. That was a clip from the episode, What's Your Why? Finding Your Life Purpose, from Season 1, Episode 3. Later in the episode, you'll find three ways to find your why and a guided meditation to get clarity on what exactly your why may be. And the next clip I want to share is from the show Be Careful What You Wish For, also season 1, episode 32. People talk about manifesting all the time, but we don't always get exactly what we put out into the universe for. Sometimes it looks the same, but it can also look partly there or not at all there. It may not be what we wished or prayed for at all. It might be because it wasn't meant to be if you didn't get it. Or maybe you get something even better. But sometimes we just aren't totally clear on what we want. And personally, I think that's the most likely reason. Because Lord knows, I have to be careful what I wish for because I'm a pretty good manifester. And sometimes things I look at and I go, why in the world did I get that? And then I look at what I asked for. I went, oh, I wasn't exactly clear. So here's a clip from Be Careful What You Wish For that originally aired on June 23rd, 2021. And this clip summarizes the four steps to get clarity in what you want. Sometimes if you aren't clear or you don't use the right words, you're too politically correct or spiritually correct for that matter, things just don't quite work out right. So to wrap it up, Make sure that you have that intention, that you know what you want when it comes to making this wish and you know what you want. Be specific. Look over your list. Make sure when you write it down that you are totally and absolutely as clear as you can be at the moment. And then look over your list again. Make sure that it is right and that you didn't put something in that wasn't important And you left something out that was super, one of the top five for whatever you want to do. Don't worry about being politically correct. Just don't. You don't have to share your desires and your wishes and your deepest dreams with anybody. If you want a gazillionaire, put it down. It's up to you. If you want to have sex every single day or never, put it down. Only you know what you want. And sometimes we don't know till we get it. And then we go, okay, I didn't really want that. Know what you want as much as you can. And if you think you want something and you get it and you go, "Eh, no, I changed my mind. Revise your list. You may have to shift your life a bit if it's something major, but you can redo it anytime. Pick those words carefully. Don't use those words that become really challenging, that become things that are maybe too exciting or too adventuresome or other words that don't really apply well to the category of your life that you're applying them to. And let me say, don't just dream about what you want. You won't manifest it that way. Ask the universe. Writing it down is a really good step. Seeing it clearly and then putting it away. Because if you don't write it down, and I know I've said this many times, if you don't write it down, you will never be clear on what you want. You'll never be clear. Because every time you think about it, it'll come out just a little differently. It'll be Oh, this time I can say I want honest. Next time I'll say I want with integrity. The next time I'll say loyal. Then And I won't have the same five things or 10 things. So if you want more than two or three very clear things, then write it down. If you know exactly what you want, it's been two or three things and that's it, you're good to go. But I guarantee there's more than two or three things in anything that you want. You may have four or five gotta-haves with a new job or with where you live or with whatever it may be but there's going to be a whole lot of other things on that list besides if you're clear with yourself if you really know what you want but ultimately make sure even though you know all those things that you want you're clear your intention you've done specific always leave room for something even better than what you've asked for something better that's on the list something you didn't even think of that the universe hands you on a platter, going, here, you forgot this part, but isn't this cool? Because if you're open to those things, even better than the best that we can think of will show up. And when that happens, it's a whole new ball game. It is so amazing because life just gets better and better. So be careful what you ask for. We want to make sure that what you get is only going to make your life grow and be best it can be. That was a clip from the episode, Be Careful What You Wish For, Season 1, Episode 32. And earlier in the episode, it gives a lot more detail and examples of how you can get clarity and what happens if you don't have it, meaning the type of reality that might happen in your life, which you may find looks familiar. Let's just put it that way. Now, the third clip I want to share is from the episode, Find Your Patience Now, From season two, episode two, my mom always said, God grant me patience, but I want it now. I always laughed when she did it because that's why she said it, just to sort of shift her focus away from that impatience that she was feeling. Because patience can be difficult to achieve when you're faced with difficult people or situations. Uninformed customer service people top my list for annoying people that I have trouble keeping my patience for. Now, who are yours? So here is a clip from Find Your Patience Now, which originally aired January 12th, 2022. This clip starts with a quote and goes into three long-term strategies you can use to have more patience with people in situations. I found this quote I wanted to say, and I don't see anywhere who actually said it, but I really like it. It says, the hardest test in life is having the patience to wait for the right moment. Sometimes that's another thing that'll set us off. We're impatient to start something, impatient to get somewhere, impatient to get to the end of the story or to the end of the journey. We aren't willing to take the journey for what it is and allow ourselves to have the patience to get where we're going and to have that right moment show up for whatever it is we want to do. It is a test. It's only a test. You're not going to fail it. It's going to be fine. But having patience is something that you can actually have strategies for. So let me get into the first long-term strategy. So the first one is practicing patience. This is the tougher way, rather than just going straight for finding peace, but it may sound more familiar. So start with something small that only bothers you just a little bit, a person or an issue, and then practice on larger things that bother you. Practice them as they come up, realizing that, ah, I'm aware now, I can do it, I can practice this. Maybe subject yourself to a person or an issue that normally bothers you so you can practice. Go in with that feeling. I always see this one friend. They always annoy me. I'm going to find a way. Knowing that's the case, I'm going to prepare myself in advance and practice. So the second long-term strategy is to increase your empathy for other people. When you feel good and you have patience, look at people at that point and not when you have the impatience. And try to figure out why they're acting the way they are, especially people that you know. Try and put yourself in their shoes because once you understand why, when someone acts out again or in a specific way, you may totally shift your reaction to them because you have this new understanding. And if you get who they are and why they're acting that way, your compassion may come forth. Your empathy for that person will get stronger and You may not have the impatience you had in the past because of it. It specifically helps for people that talk about one thing all the time, one problem, and you're going, I'm tired of hearing about this. I need to stop talking about it. Look at that issue for that person. See if that helps you go, oh, I get it. They had this thing. I see what's deeper. And maybe you just decide you're going to switch subjects on them. But some people just need to talk about things that bother them all the time. So maybe that's if that's what sets you off, you find a way to be more empathic on them. And the third thing you can do is a long-term strategy. And there are a lot of other things. Of course, meditation, guided visualizations, things that bring you more peace. Over time, your vibrations will raise up. And patience will just come as that byproduct I mentioned. Marconics is the energy work that I do. It's not Reiki, it's not some of these other ones, it's Marconics, and that actually will raise your vibration little by little, and I find that helped me lose a lot of the impatience that I had. Certain types of energy work will also raise up your vibration and help you shift and let go of some of that the heavier stuff, the stuff that makes you impatient, the frustrations, all of those things. That was a clip from Find Your Patience Now, from Season 2, Episode 2. That episode also includes the causes and symptoms of impatience and 12 helpful hacks when you need patience right this minute, because something or someone gets in your face and you just don't have the patience or you get angry or something happens where you're going, okay, take a breath. How do I find patience for this person or this situation? The last solo episode that I want to play a clip from is from the episode, Just Shine Your Light. It's Enough. From season two, episode nine, I wanted to do this show because many, especially light workers, may feel disconnected from all that's going on in the world, but aren't sure if they're ignoring it or holding space, and may feel kind of guilty for not participating. I wanted everyone to know that just shining your higher vibrational light is more than enough until you feel moved to do something else. Here's a clip from "Just Shine Your Light, It's Enough" that originally aired on March second, twenty twenty-two. Now, this clip gives you four steps to hold your space and shine your light when dealing with people and situations. What is shining your light and or holding space? I call it holding space when you're in a bad situation or with a negative person and you simply shine your light into the situation, being you, you at your best, holding on to the good and higher vibration that you may be at and not letting the other person bring you down. What do I mean by that? It's so easy to be sucked into the energy of those around you. For example, if you walk into a room and everyone's laughing, you're very likely to start laughing even though you don't know what's going on. You'll feel lighter and you'll pretty much forget anything negative you brought into the room with you, even if it's only for a moment. At the very least, you'll smile and indulgently look around at everybody else laughing, wondering what they're doing, but kind of enjoying it. But if you walk into a room and see everyone crying, and someone telling a story of abuse or tragedy or something sad that's happened, you'll feel that energy in the room as well. It's a heavier energy, and you'll get pulled down by it, and you may even start crying just walking into a room. But what if you could walk into the room feeling good, and hold the people crying in kind of metaphorical arms of love with compassion, and not get dragged into the negative, overwhelming feeling they may be sharing at that time? And by doing that, you really help All those around you to feel better. You don't really expend that much energy doing that. You simply are holding your light where you need to. I'm not going to make you wait. I'm going to jump right into the four steps you need to take to be able to do this with a specific person or situation. And then a little later, I'll do it with the planet. So, first, you need to be able to drop anything negative you may be feeling. And I just refer to it as negative, but the heavier energies like anger or worry, or fear, or guilt, you know what I mean, the stuff that feels heavier, and switch into a lighter, more loving place at a moment's notice if something happens, or you run into somebody who's down, or a situation that feels off. Because sometimes the situation comes up abruptly, or we get a call that blinds us with negativity, a friend may be fearful or worried about something, or a situation with our child or spouse comes up that throws us off. So how do you do that? Well, practice, but first you stop everything. Don't allow a negative reaction to take over if you're fearful about the situation or the person bombards you with this heavier energy of things they're fearful about. Immediately raise your vibration. And again, what I mean, breathe. (sighs) Take in gratitude or peace or joy or whatever makes you feel like you are a powerful spiritual being. Whatever you use, If you meditate or pray, use that. Perhaps you need to picture trees or a baby laughing or something else that makes you feel good so that your vibration will shift up and allow yourself to be filled with that peace, that joy, that appreciation or gratitude or love. And then you can face the person or the situation with a raised vibration. So you start out at a higher place than you were normally when you run into the person or the situation. Sometimes you're already in a good spot, but you may not be prepared because the next step is it's possible. If you need it, you may not be someone who needs it, but sometimes you do, and especially sometimes you do around specific people or specific situations. You want to shield yourself from the energy of that person or situation. Like I said, you may not need to do this, but many times we do depending on who we're coming across, who needs us. So use whatever works for you. Visualize an energy shield, a force field, a bubble, whatever may work for you. Try different things if one feels like you're using negative energy to put it out there. So don't put the shield up because you're fearful the person will do it. Just do it from a neutral place so that you know you're going to stay in your own bubble or your own energy space. A force field may seem a little too forceful, so maybe that's not a good way to think about it. You don't want to deflect someone. You want to feel safe in your own space and allow them to be able to still vent or say whatever they need to do. So that's the first two steps. The third step is just be in the present moment. Really be there for that person. Don't wander off and worry of what you're hearing or thinking about. Maybe something else, you're totally disconnected from what's happening. People feel that. They feel if you're not really in the moment. If you've ever been lucky enough to have someone pay attention to you fully, completely, you're going to know what I mean. I've had a few people in my life where they give you that gift of phone rings. They just, they don't even reach for it or they reach for it to silence it without even looking at it. They're in your presence. You feel like you're the only person that they're paying attention to, that you're super important to them. And that is a gift to give someone. And people who are upset tend to run down after a while if you appreciate them, if you give them that gift of love in that present moment. And they really feel better around you because you're a raised vibration and you're just shining your light and allowing them to be who they are. And you want to make sure, fourth, to stay in that higher vibration and beam. You have to actually beam your light at them. You just will be in your space in that moment where Who you are and that light and that higher vibration will make them feel especially good. You may feel appreciation or love for that person while they're talking and just stay there. It's amazing how people lose their focus and they sort of stop talking when you appreciate them. They sort of sputter and stop after a few sentences most of the time. People that are really wound up may take a little longer. But if you beam that appreciation and love at them, or not even beaming, like I said before, it could just be holding your own light and beaming from yourself because you're just in that light, you'll see that they are more likely to shift. And at the very least, you won't get sucked into the negativity and the heavier density of what they're going for. And at best, just shining your light and holding space for them to go through whatever they need to go through will shift them as well. You won't fix anything for them, but they may shift and adjust and come to some realizations all by themselves of how they can heal the situation that they're complaining about, or they will at least feel comfort. Their vibration will automatically entrain to yours and they'll raise up a bit and they'll get calmer and more relaxed and they'll go, Oh, okay, never mind. Or something odd may happen. Don't be surprised. So, those four steps again, to be able to shine your light and be holding space for a specific person or a situation is first, drop anything that you're holding that's negative or heavier density, the spheres, those sorts of things by breathing and not reacting to what's happening around you. You just take that moment and you raise your vibration so that you can be in that gratitude, that peace, that joy. And then you... Put up a shield if you feel it's important or hold up a force field or a bubble around you so that you don't deflect the person from you, but you just hold yourself in your own highest vibration. And third, to be in the present, to really pay attention to that person. Don't judge them. Let them be who they are. And fourth is to stay in that higher vibration that you're holding onto and beaming your light or holding the light, however you want to look at it and allowing them to shift if they are ready to shift. That was a clip from Just Shine Your Light, It's Enough, from Season 2, Episode 9. Later in the episode has the five steps to hold your space with what's happening on the planet, and not just individual people or situations. It also has two short guided meditations, and nine ways to stay in your light when you feel pulled into another person's drama or a situation that you really don't want to be a part of. Next, I want to get into the guests. I've had some absolutely wonderful guests, some that totally surprised me that they were willing to talk to me. I've had them over the last couple of years, and I know sometimes I do them every other show, and sometimes it's more random. So you have to really look for these guests. And I totally thank and appreciate every single one of them that allowed me to interview them. I'd like to share clips from four of them that are particularly special to me. The first one was a two-parter from season one. They were episodes four and six, and they were called Friendship, the How-To Guide. The reason it was so special was because two of my closest friends, Nancy DeMello and Janet Rossman, consented to talk with me on Zoom to do one of my first episodes. It's one of my favorite shows for so many reasons, and you can tell from all the laughter that we indeed had a great time. I hope you enjoy this clip, too, from Friendship, the How-To Guide, which originally aired on December 9th and December 23rd, 2020. In this portion of the show, we talk about the challenges of being a friend and what makes a bad friend. Are there any other challenges that you find with trying to be a good friend? Nancy, did you want to discuss that? Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well,
2: no, I not <laughs> Actually, I just didn't want to be rude. I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's funny that Carol mentioned us trying to, to fix our friends. When I was thinking of a time when I was a particularly bad friend, my friend was so messed up. And I let her be messed up for many, many years. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So I tried to fix her. And then I tried to like, literally like hands on, like, look, you know, if I was, if she was Gumby or something, I'm like, no, do it this way, be this way. Can't you see what you're doing, whatever. And it actually did ruin our friendship. And it was really a shame because we were friends for like 20 years. But Um. in my opinion, she was not growing and I just got so tired of her lack of growth that I tried to force her and it it hit a snapping point. My opinion of growth, of course, right? Because like, as if I know everything, right? (laughs) but um, yeah and so I think when I read that question earlier today I was like that's both where I have failed as being a friend as well as one of the the things I value most about a a really really good friendship is when the other person just allows you to be who you are. They can kind of like wave little flags and see if you take the bait or whatever but Nobody has ever broken my arm, or you know, twisting it so hard, (laughs) (laughs) twisting it so hard to try to force me to be what they want me to be. And and there's nothing greater than being truly accepted. And I, I, that was when I was a bad friend, was when I did not truly accept someone for who they were and their limitations. You know, like expecting someone with one leg to run a marathon, right? And Mm -hmm. I had to learn that one the hard way. You know, you may not be able to see it because it's inside their brain, their heart, their head, their emotions, whatever. But she wasn't capable of doing what I thought she should do, <laughs> if that yeah. even was what she should do. I mean, who's to say, right? We all learn in our own way. Yeah.
1: Janet, do you want to add anything We're else? all in our different journeys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So if we don't have any more challenges, I guess then the question is, kind of goes right into it. I was thinking about it. What makes a bad friend? For me, it's not only trying to fix somebody, but when You talk to somebody, and I think Nancy and I may have talked about this before, when you hang up the phone from somebody or you leave them and you get in the house and you just end up in a puddle going, I'm so exhausted. Because they just pull all the energy out of you. They suck you dry. That's That's what it really feels like. That's
3: not a true friend.
1: And that's when somebody has a hard time and you're with them, you should be fine because you don't feel like they're sucking you dry. It's a different kind of feeling. But when you hang up and you go, oh my God, I can't talk. Or you see their phone call and you go, I just can't take that call. (laughs) I just can't. (laughs) I can't take that call. And when when you get there, it's like, "This is. I can't be a friend with this person anymore. Do I have the time? Do I have three hours to give to this person? If that's how long it is that you're normally on the call with them. Without. Am I
3: professional? Am I a professional
1: therapist? <laughs> well, and as a life coach now, uh, you know, it, sometimes that's what I feel like I'm being with. This. In the past, when I had like, a, especially one specific friend, it's like, I would get on like a call with this person and I would not say a word. And you know how much I talk. I wouldn't say a <laughs> word. <laughs> and for most of it, I try as a
3: singer, what can we say? Say a lot
1: here and there, get you know, ask a question. sound like I'm interested going, how many times are you going to repeat the same thing over and over again and suck? And by the time I'd hang up, it was like I had called this person to tell them some good news. I never got a chance to even tell them. Because it was always, and sometimes it is all about you when you call somebody because you have an issue coming up when you're a friend, but yeah. when it's always it's about the other person, yeah. then it's like, um, hello. I want to talk
2: about me. You want to talk about, I want to talk about
1: number one. <laughs> oh, Hey, it's about, about me today. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you want to share, you know, good or bad news, but not yes. always, yeah. always about the other person. So yes. that's to me what makes a bad friend. Cause they're not really being a friend when it's always, always about them.
3: Yeah. It's got to be back and forth and the other person, you know, stopping long enough saying, so what's going on with you? And knowing what's going on in your life instead of, oh my God, you'll never believe this. It's like, yes, I will. please don't call me again. Yeah, that's not a friend, even though you've, and that's hard. It's very hard to stop a relationship with somebody like that, even because you've known them for a long time. You've shared a lot of things with them. They've done some beautiful things for you, some very caring things for you too. But it starts breaking you down when it comes down to this all of the time. You know, like, oh, I'm so, I'm such a victim. Oh, this is happening now. It's like, can we just chill out for a moment and just like talk about something else? It's very, very hard. And I know more, more of a new mantra is life is short. Surround yourself with friends that make you feel good, people that make you feel good, people that are positive, people that are, you know, learning according to the way you think about learning and who are evolving and stuff. And just choose that you don't have to remain faithful to that person who was a friend, but really is not anymore. And it's okay because we all have our journeys. She or he is on this journey. I'm on this journey. And, you know, we grow apart just becoming the people that we are and trying to make something still work that was like back in high school or back in your 20s, like when you're in your 60s. It doesn't... Who's in their 60s? <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm in my... <laughs> Guys are puns. <laughs> And yet I love you. Yeah, that you uh, you learn how to take care of yourself better and know who your true friends are because they support you. They care about you. I had the best thing happen to me this year. It was so cool. You know, my my birthday was in April and in March, you know, we all had the, the shutdown. And so my friends came up from like a half hour and they all had like a, this big birthday banner and they came outside our house and sang me happy birthday because we couldn't get together to celebrate like we had done you know with our group so much and I was like I can't believe you guys did this it was just it was so cool it was so happy and seeing so many we just we have a special group that meets every Monday but to see them all out there and you know what they had done for me it just was so it was so touching it was just it's just a fantastic memory and like you love me love. <laughs> <laughs> and plus they're all singers. So
1: that was really nice that they sang to you. Yes, and like everybody are. was in the
3: in a different they key. Yeah. That's
1: always like, so it sounded
3: really pretty in our neighborhood.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the thought, but stop singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to put one caveat out there for everybody who's listening that sometimes people are going through a hard time. So maybe you give them a break if they've been a friend for a lot of years, like with me, I know Nancy gave me a break when for six months or so I was talking about going through all of these negative things for before the divorce, but then You hope that they'll snap out of it at least a little bit from time to time as they grow. And if they're there two or three years later and they're still sucking you dry, then you need to go, okay, maybe I'm kind of done. But you need to give them yeah. some time and some leeway because everybody heals at a different speed. So that's, so, and that's what friends are for too, is to be there for you. But I do find sometimes I like to help people when they're going through a hard time after I've been there for them for a while to kind of find something funny to talk about, something to lighten their spirit. So I go, yeah, I was just trying to lighten the mood a little bit so that you could feel a little better. And I'll even say that to them after I say it and they'll laugh. They go, stop making me laugh. I'm going to cry. And it's like, Hey, it's okay I just want to help you kind of like feel a little better for a minute and then you can tell me what else has happened and they're like oh okay but if they won't lighten up at all and they keep going back to the same thing over and over and they've been there for years then yeah okay uh, I agree. yeah
0: <laughs> it's yeah. only
1: so long you can hang in there because some people just they won't get beyond the victim thing yeah kind yeah. unattractive
2: yeah. <laughs> well so- <laughs> sorry sometimes you know, sometimes friends are there for a reason in a season, for sure. Good point. Yeah. And sometimes when a friend is going through something and it seems difficult, and then you find yourself one, two, ten 10 years later going through the same thing, you're like, ooh, I'm actually really glad I went through that with them. Now I know how to go through it. And, you know, yeah. with experience and, and the possible outcomes and, and more graceful ways to get through. But as far as the, the friends who uh, get stuck in a downward spiral, because heck, don't we all? Right. I remember one time a friend, I was on the phone with a friend and I didn't even realize I was in a downward spiral. And all of a sudden they started asking me about my kids and I was like, what, huh? (laughs) Okay. Uh, They lived in another state. So I thought they truly were genuinely interested. Right. And I started talking about them, and you know, it was really only a few moments, however long that was later that I found I was in a different mood and I was thinking about different things. And then, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks that aha moment where you're going, you tricked me. (laughs) Was You're that me? me happy, <laughs> you know, instead of shaming me or or slapping me or whatever, you know, that they had done it on purpose. Now they never said anything. I never said anything, but I knew it and they knew it, right? That sometimes a friend uh, has that magical way of helping you shift gears. And how glorious
1: is
3: that? True. Wow.
1: That was a clip from Friendship, the How-To Guide, Season 1, Episodes 4 and 6. Also in the episode are what makes a good friend And where to go to find new friends, especially when either you don't know how to do it or you're in a new location and you don't really have those connections that you did. I absolutely adored spending time with two such special ladies. The next one I want to share, I mean, I couldn't believe when Carol Allen, who is a well-known Vedic astrologer, agreed to do my Valentine's Day show. She specializes in looking at astrology in a specific way. And you may know her work by her book, Love is in the Stars. She also tutors people on the best approach to internet dating, including getting the most appealing pictures and interesting bio, which I actually used her for in a one-on-one session. The show is from season one, episode 14. Now, how appropriate is that? It also aired on Valentine's Day, even though it wasn't a Wednesday, I put it out a little early. It's called Where There's a Will, There's a Soulmate. And it did air, as I said, on Valentine's Day, but it was in 2021. In this clip, we talk about what a soulmate is and where to find one. Sound intriguing? Give it a listen. So, why don't we just start at the beginning and maybe help people get a description of what a soulmate is? Can you describe that for people?
4: What your definition is? Well, my definition is a soulmate is somebody that you just have that instant rapport with and you feel more meaning around. Life is more special, purposeful, worth living. The good news is I don't think there's only one. So a soulmate, and I don't even think a soulmate has to be a romantic person. I think friends can be soulmates. I think children can be soulmates. I think cats can be soulmates. (laughs) Um, I always joke, if my house, if a house could be a soulmate, I'm living in my soulmate house. So luckily love comes in many forms and is everywhere. But that's my definition of a soulmate, not to be confused with a twin flame, which is a term that's caught on a lot in the last few years. A twin flame is like a soulmate on steroids and there is only one and it's like the other the other half of your soul and i have to say i really struggle with people holding out for the twin flame experience because it's so epic and so heightened and so emotional and so intense that sometimes people think they're in a twin flame thing but really they're in a super soap opera thing. <laughs> and so they'll put up with nonsense or bad behavior because it's, the good is so intoxicating, you know, the good parts of the relationship. It's anything beyond a transactional relationship, like a, a good relationship that works, but doesn't have that magic. I want everybody to get a little magic in their love life, which is beyond just, do you have a good friend that you enjoy sleeping with? <laughs> <laughs> which is better than nothing sometimes. Well, especially lately, Right. My goodness, such a lonely, weird time we're all in.
1: So I'm going to ask a question now that I think every single person who's single is going, okay, ask, ask,
4: where can you
1: find one? Where are they hiding from us? Tell us. Any hints? Any clues? <laughs> That's the, you're going to make lots of money on this one if you get an answer. Oh my gosh.
4: Well, there's this magical city called Soulmate City. You haven't heard of this? <laughs> That's um, the problem. <laughs> yes. You have, you have to do certain things for somebody to slip you the password and the geography, like the longitude and latitude of it. <laughs> Everyone has a different path, a different life destiny, if you will. As an astrologer, I can tell you some people are here to have many soulmates. Some people are here to be monogamous. Some people are here to be polyamorous. Some people are here to have three husbands. Some people are here. Not everybody is living the same life journey. And I know that sounds like, well, duh, we all know that. Carol Allen. But I think we were raised to think our lives were supposed to look a certain way and we're supposed to follow a certain timeline. And people get very hard on themselves if their life doesn't match that picture that they were told, right? I'm going to do X, Y, Z by 28. and I'm going to have this many kids by 30 or 35. I'm going to have this much money by this time. And I really think it's good to set goals but I think we have to be careful of using stories like that to decide that we are God, right? <laughs> because you can really beat yourself up and then turn that goal into a way to, to have a lot of shame. Well, especially if it doesn't
1: happen when you say you wanted to have it happen.
4: Right. Because then the, the other side of that story is if it didn't happen, then it's not going to. When maybe it's just later than you think. And I will tell you, as an astrologer, I have seen repeatedly that at least 50% of the population are what I call late bloomers in love. And late bloomers in love. <laughs> that would be me. That's so I raised my hand yeah. and nobody can see it. <laughs> ah, nice. Yes. Late bloomers in love don't get the picket fence and the golden retriever and the, the partner by 27, right? It's more like the second half of life. And so, what I always want to say to everyone is every day is a new day. If you have a dream and it hasn't arrived yet, if you're still here and you still have that dream, who knows, right? Keep suiting up and showing up, keep believing and keep making that effort because you only have this one precious life as you, you know, you might come back again as somebody else, but right now you're you and you just never know. And, uh, and astrology is really exciting because we go through seasons and cycles that cover the lifespan. And sometimes you're in, in what are called blocked love times. And then sometimes you're in times that are really supportive and conducive for love. And then it has nothing to do with your age. You can be, you know, my grandmother had her greatest marriage in her seventies, right? So, you know, you just never know. So again, don't decide you're God and you know, and all you have to do is ask yourself, do I still want this? And it's okay if you don't, right? Because not everybody's life path is that. And if you don't want it, no problem. We were just saying love comes in all kinds of forms, but do try to have a life full of love and a life full of soulmates for sure. And do, do give yourself that permission to live at what I call the level of love. And living at the level of love is when you really make sure intentionally that you, you love your life, Right. So take stock of your life. Do you love your job? Do you love your home? Do you love your friends? Do you love your, how you spend your time? And if too many of those answers are no, or like five out of a scale of one to 10, then it's time to make some changes. And it's time to at least bring in small things, like take a bath every day, or watch something that makes your heart sing, or get back into an activity or a hobby that you loved as a kid that you've been too busy for since. And when we start living at the level of love, that's when we're the most magnetic to others. And that's when we're the most likely to bring in that soulmate person into our lives.
1: Yeah, and I was just going to say that if you can live in spite of not having somebody, still find that love for yourself and for whatever you're doing. And that's exactly what you were saying. So I was like, yep, yep, she's, I agree. (laughs) She's got it right on the nose for me. Yes. That was a clip from Where There's a Will, There's a Soulmate from Season 1, Episode 14. Later in the episode, we talk about internet dating, and Carol Allen gives you tips on how to take your pictures and how to write your bio, as well as how you know when you find your soulmate and how to keep them. All very important bits of information. I get my guests from all over the place. Some email me asking to be a guest, but others I meet at the Holistic Chamber of Commerce where I'm a member from a podcast guest hosting website where they put people together, and one I even met at a flea market, believe it or not, she was selling in the next stall over from me. And this particular guest I met at a Toastmasters club. She's a wonderful speaker with a deep soul connection, and I very much enjoyed interviewing her. This show is from Season 1, Episode 21. It's called The Road to Spiritual Enlightenment with guest Tina Jacob, and it originally aired on April 7th, 2021. The clip includes a discussion of the different seasons in your life, and how they help us become more enlightened. The other thing I wanted to ask you to explain to the listeners is when you refer to seasons, but we haven't really explained that. So when you refer to seasons, can you tell people what you mean and how maybe they can help move from one to another?
5: Uh, what I mean by seasons is there are different seasons in our life. Some of them are season filled with laughter, a season where you're, you meet that special someone and they say they love you and they'll never leave you. And it's a season filled with music. You can dance to any tune. There is another season sometimes we go through where we are lonely. We have no friends around us, and we just long for someone to come and give us company. A season of just loneliness, but each of these seasons, even though they are painful and difficult. We learn from these seasons. like I, like how I shared about that season when I went through of unforgiveness. I call it a season because I was able to come out of it and now I look back at that particular season. So I, I believe that everybody goes through different seasons in life and some of them are good. Some of them are difficult. But if we look at these seasons, difficult seasons and see that we are learning from this we are growing in this and not just be focused on the fact that oh i am this why this is happening to me Uh, but instead looking at yes this particular season there is something beautiful Like, like i mentioned the season of loneliness i have been through this season but in this season when every other voice outside was quiet it was at this season that I was able to focus on my inner voice and able to see, uh, talk to myself and make friends with myself and realize that this word loneliness is not being alone. I always thought loneliness was just being by yourself, but you can be by yourself and experience complete joy. You don't have to be in that state of loneliness just because you're alone. Oh, yeah. That's when you find yourself. That is what I mean by different seasons is difficult or it is good.
1: And it finds that when you go through those even good, great, fabulous, laughing, enjoyment versus all the other times when they don't feel quite so light that you can go through changes and adjustments. And the the fun times are always more fun to make changes through uh, where you're enjoying yourself. And it's all, if you're raising your spirit higher, it's all a transformation of some sort or another, whether you want to use the word change or transformation, if you are being happier or feeling lighter, even in the hard times, that's a form of transformation. And sometimes those are the biggest forms of transformation. And I guess that kind of brings me to my next question Because sometimes people have trouble even getting started in a transformational way because they go, well, what do I do? Where do I start? How do I get from here to there? Realizing that there is never going to get there because there it's just a road. Like I say, the road to transformation is a never-ending road. As long as you're a human being, you'll feel it's like enlightenment. You're never going to be enlightened. You're going to be more enlightened and more transformed than where you were, but you're never going to be, period, at the end of the sentence, I am Enlightened, you know, and and I'm done, and I don't have to work on that anymore. It's kind of not that that's not the case, but getting started or getting stuck part way in. And do you have any advice or anything to help motivate people to get moving in the first place or to get out of a stuck feeling?
5: To get moving in the first place is to have a goal. Without the goal, you are not going to get started. For me, that was to find that purpose in your life. If you are going through a difficult time in your life, you have to look at it as a learning curve, a learning experience, and you just take that first step. If you're stuck in the middle of it, I was in high school when we had this marathon and I was in the last leap that I had to take. I just stopped in the middle of it. I just couldn't take another step. And there were my friends who were next to me just cheering me on, Tina, you can't do it. Keep going. Keep going. Those who are stuck, that's what I want to say. Keep going. Don't stop. Because those friends of mine, when they cheered me, I mean, I do not know from where I got that energy and strength, I started to run again. And I finished that race because of them encouraging me to just take the next step and keep going. Sometimes life just feels like you are in a maze and you are in the middle of it and you just don't know how to go ahead because there's walls around you and you just don't know which path to take. What I would say, rather than being stuck and staying there for a long time, just take the next step. It may take you longer if you're in a wrong path, but it's still okay. You will reach that destination. So a person who is stuck there and never moving, he's going to be there. He or she is going to be there for a longer time. But a person who irrespective of just believes that even if it's going to take longer, I'm just going to reach there. For me, I feel sometimes like an actor in a movie who does not have the script. I do not know what the next scene is going to be, how it's going to be played. But I just trust that the next scene, entire movie is going to come out great. The director is going to put the scenes together. And I don't worry about, oh, what is the next thing? If, I, if Am I going to mess up? I just think if I mess up, I will learn from it. But I need to just keep moving. That
1: clip was from The Road to Spiritual Enlightenment with guest Tina Jacob from Season 1, Episode 21. And that episode also includes how your life purpose can help you become more enlightened and three things to help you start or continue on your road to enlightenment. And lastly, I absolutely have to include a clip from Season 2. It's a two-parter, Episodes 16 and 17, and this show is called Is Inner Peace Possible in Today's World? with best-selling author Bodhi Saunders. He is in the Martial Arts Hall of Fame and has written over eight books. And his newest book was called The Art of Inner Peace, and he shares a step-by-step guide on how to attain it. We had a wonderful discussion on all sorts of topics surrounding inner peace, and I totally enjoy this interview and recommend his book. Here's a clip from Is Inner Peace Possible in Today's World? The two parts originally aired on April 20th and 27th, twenty twenty two. In this portion, Bodhi and I talk about releasing attachment to outcomes and expectations, de-escalating negative situations, and letting go of other people's opinions and judgments of us, which (laughs) we all know that can be really difficult. I noticed you talked about the releasing the attachment to outcomes and also releasing your attachment to like expectations is sort of the same thing in a way. How does that relate to inner peace?
6: Well, if you're constantly worried about failing or getting the outcome you want, you're not going to live in inner peace because worry and inner peace are not compatible. Fear and worry are contrary to inner peace. You have to let go of your attachment to the outcome of your actions. In doing so, you, you basically free yourself to be at peace with your actions. Instead of being worried or concerned with the outcome, you're focused on doing the best you can do and doing what's right. And if that's your focus, then the outcome is going to take care of itself. You don't control the outcome either way, whether you worry about it, whether you don't worry about it, the outcome, you know, things are going to happen as they do by worrying about it and thinking, man, I hope this works out. I'm afraid I I messed up. You're not changing the outcome. All you're doing is stressing yourself out and robbing yourself of your inner peace. If the outcome is not what you wanted and you're focused on, okay doing what you did and and doing the right thing and doing the best you could do, you're still at peace because you did the best you could do. You did everything you could possibly do. If it turns out to be different than what you wanted, then you just start again. You say, okay, yeah, here's where we are. Uh, How do I change this? And you do the best you can do. You regroup and you do what what you can do to change it. But still, you have no control over the outcome. So when you have to be at peace with your intentions and your actions that you take. And when you're at peace with your actions and your intentions are right, then you're, you're going to be at peace no matter how it turns out. Even You may be disappointed that it didn't turn out the way you want it to, but you're still going to be at peace because, you know, you did the right thing, and you did everything you could do in the situation.
1: I heard something somewhere that says that worry is praying for something you don't want. Mm. And when I heard that, I went, oh, well, that's interesting. And I mentioned it to my girlfriend who worries a lot. And she was like, oh, my God, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she loved the idea, but she hated the fact that that's what she was doing. and And
6: that's so true, because when you're worrying about it, basically what you're doing is programming that fear into your mind over and over and, uh, yeah, my grandmother used to do that. She used to worry all the time. She would work herself up worrying about stuff. And a lot of times the stuff people worry about never happened. It's, they, they spend this much time stressing themselves out, robbing themselves of inner peace over things that never happened, n- never materialized to start with. But they wasted all that time, stressed themselves out, and they embedded that fear into their subconscious mind. And they did it all for nothing.
1: You're talking about how worry, if you look at the worry and you go, okay, so I have a concern about this. Is there something I can do that, what's it trying to tell me? Maybe my subconscious mind is trying to tell me there's another piece of the puzzle I haven't done yet. So then I don't need to worry once I do that and then, you know, move on. But if you don't use the worry, maybe I don't want to say appropriately, but if you don't use it to further whatever issue it is that you're working with, then it's worthless. Yeah, and it just impacts your inner peace
6: for no reason. And, you know, there's a difference in worrying about something and being concerned about something. Let's take an example I gave in the book. You know, say you have a sailboat and you're getting ready to sail down to the Bahamas or something. OK, you might be concerned that, OK, I need to make sure everything's working on the boat. And, you know, all my uh, radio and my gears working and motors ready and I-, I need to check the weather. Well, there's a storm due to come in, you know, in five days. I should be there by then, but I might be a little concerned that it might hit earlier. Well, you know, that's not worrying. That's thinking rationally, seeing what is going on, and preparing for it. If you're worrying, you're going, "Oh my God, I might have to sail through bad, you know, a bad storm or big waves or I could die. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't go. I might die. I might drown. You know, and all these things start spiraling in your mind." That's worry. That's not helping anything. That's not preparing for anything. Concern is, okay, I see something could happen here. So let's get prepared for it. I'm not going to sit and worry about it all night. I'm going to do the best I can do to prepare for it and be ready for whatever may come my way. But I'm I'm not going to sit around and worry and do nothing about it. I make that distinction. You know, if you're concerned about something, you are rationally thinking about it and making the preparations that you can make, and getting ready.
1: I know that people don't always see the difference, so I think that'll really help.
6: I have so many people when I teach about responding instead of reacting, they say, well, it's the same thing, you know, and then they'll go and they'll look it up in the dictionary, and the dictionary has the two as synonyms, and they say, see, the dictionary even says it's the same, but it's not the same thing, and when I explain the difference, they start saying, well, yeah, but, they mean the same thing. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You're talking semantics. <laughs> it might mean the same thing as far as the dictionary is concerned, but as far as your subconscious mind and your inner peace is two totally different things.
1: Besides the outcome, I know that there were also in another section of the book, you talk about letting go of people's opinions of you. And that is huge Uh because it really impacts your inner peace. If you're worrying about how other people are going to judge you, and actually we judge ourselves too, which doesn't help any, how can you help people release other people's opinions in order to have that inner
6: peace? Bruce Lee had a great quote when it comes to this. He said that, you know, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations and you're not in this world to live up to mine you're here to live your life your way not to please everyone else or live according to their standards or what they would like you've got to develop enough self confidence that if somebody else says well you know, you're wrong you shouldn't be living like this or you shouldn't be doing this it doesn't shake your mind because you you have your own standards your own principles to live by you know what your purpose in life is they don't know you know they're not in your mind they're not living your life. You've got to have enough confidence in yourself and in your own opinions that your opinion means more than theirs. And I think Marcus Aurelius said you know, something I'm going to have to paraphrase. I don't have the quote in front of me. But he said you know, something like, we all love ourselves more than anyone else, but we seem to put more importance on the opinions of others than we do our own. And that's true. So many people, they don't have the self confidence in their decisions, their opinions. And so if somebody says something that differs from their opinion, then they say, well, maybe I'm wrong. I must not be right. It starts putting doubt in their mind. And then they start playing with that doubt and it just snowballs until they don't know what end is up. And they say, well, they must be right. I I don't know what I was thinking. And they change their mind. If they have a problem with your decisions, or what you think, or how you live your life. Just like I said at the beginning, they have a problem. I didn't say you have a problem, that's their problem. Just because they have a problem with your decisions or how you live your life, that doesn't mean you have to make it your problem. You just can't let other people's opinions throw you off track because they really don't know. Even if it's your parents or your kids and they want the best for you, it's not their life and they really don't know they know what they think is best for you, but they don't know what's best for you. If I had to listen to other people, I would have never written my first book.
1: That was a clip from the episode, Is Inner Peace Possible in Today's World with Bodie Saunders? Season 2, Episodes 16 and 17. Inner peace is a huge subject. And we cover a lot of grounds in the two-part episodes, some of which include changing out habits, getting off track, the power of choice, and a tool called Scratching the DVD. It's really worth a listen if you haven't heard them yet. I can't believe this is my 100th episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to each one of the clips, and if you'd like to listen to the entire show of any of them, I'll have the direct link for each show in the show notes. There's some wonderful podcasts out there, and I'm grateful to be part of this world, and also to be part of the spiritual community. Whether you're interested in my podcast because of the spiritual content, the practical content, or the fact you must want more joy in your life. I'm very happy to have you as one of my listeners. And if you have any ideas for future episodes on specific topics you're interested in, or questions you want answered, please email me at carol at connecttojoy.com. And that's just like the show, connect the number two, joy.com. And let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for joining me here today. I look forward to many more episodes to come. If you'd like to know more about intuitive spiritual or life or business coaching with me or Marconic's Multidimensional Energy, please check out my website. And you might have guessed it right now, www.connecttojoy.com. And follow me on Instagram, also at connect to joy You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, and that one's under my name. I have two shows that come out, or two videos, I should say, that come out on Sunday and one on Wednesday at the current time. Until next week, be courageous and reach higher, and just take one step at a time on your journey. Get the help you need, and get out there, and find your joy, because you deserve it.
0: Thank you for listening to Connect to Joy. If you love the show, Make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Contact the host, Carol DeShane, with questions and comments, ideas for future episodes, or if you would like to become a guest. And remember, transformation is a journey and not an end destination. So be kind to yourself, because you are already enough to have the joyful, limitless life that you desire.